Well, good morning, good morning. Hope everyone's doing well this morning. It's good to see you here. Last week, we started talking about that there's these habits that we can begin to develop so that we can grow in developing health within our emotions. And some of you may say, well, does the Bible actually talk about emotions? The Bible doesn't use the word emotions. You won't find the word emotions in the Bible. What you will find is the word soul. You see, the soul is the the intersection of our mind, our will, and our emotions. And so the Bible actually talks probably the most about our soul because it's what Jesus cares the most about. It's the inside out. A relationship with Jesus is not about getting everything right on the outside and, and having it all dialed in and perfect. It's about really pressing in, trusting the Lord, right, and allowing him to do a work from the inside out. And we talked about last week, what's a, what's a good gauge? How do you know? Like, am I emotionally healthy? Well, here's a good gauge is, is evaluate your responses and your emotions. We talked about last week that if you have an inordinate reaction rather than a healthy response, then that's a good indicator there may be a lack of emotional health on the inside. I shared with you about my oldest when she was born and as she was younger you know, when she started choking, I would get so amped up. I mean, I'm talking like full-on flipping tables. I'm hurdling couches. I, I got it figured out. I'm like, you hold the baby like this. I mean, I, mean, I had to like maybe swing the baby. Never shake a baby. But like swing the baby upside down, you know. Take, I don't know. That doesn't work. It doesn't really work. But I was, I'm getting amped up. Like all of a sudden, and I remember Wendy going, babe, you got like, you got to calm down. And normally I'm the one like, keep it cool. Wendy's like, she's from the West Bank. She's like... She, there's no fight or flight in the West Bank either. It's fight or fight. You know, that, that's, that's New Orleans, okay? That's a portion of New Orleans. And so, you know, it's like, she's not like that anymore. Now she's loving and kind and just caring, gracious, you know. She's back, babe. You're back. I love you. Yes. <laughs> Wendy hadn't been able to be here. Thank God. Thank you for all those praying for Camden, my oldest, who I was just talking about. Able, uh, Wendy's able to be here today. And so, She's uh, got asthma, and so God's just really been touching Camden, so we're grateful for that. But, you know, I would, Wendy's like, you got to dial it back. Like, what's the deal? And, and I just really started talking to the Lord about it. Like, I, I, I legit, I, inordinate reaction. Like, I'm just amped up, all-time high. And this is what the Lord began to speak to me. I was afraid. I was afraid. I was afraid that something was going to happen to my child I couldn't fix, I couldn't control. You see, fear, we talked last week, fear is such a major catalyst to this unhealthy emotional responses. And we end up reacting in an inordinate way, but there's a better way. We can have a healthy and godly response. And we talked about the first step, really the foundation. How do you, okay, what's the path forward? That's great, Pastor Chris. All right, you're talking, how do we get there? Last week, if you were here, we talked about gratitude. Gratitude is the foundation. That's the starting block. That's where we begin, and, and really, we, we pulled that from this scripture, the writing of Paul in 1 Thessalonians, and it's kind of an anchor scripture, not just simply for last week, but really for us as a whole, and how we see things. Here's what Paul writes, 1 Thessalonians 5.18. He says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It doesn't say give thanks for all circumstances, because some of the stuff you're walking through, you ain't thankful for. You're like, yeah, less of that. This is not cool. I'm not okay with this. But I can give thanks in all circumstances. Gratitude is the starting block 
to developing emotional health. And so we begin to grow in these ways, and we begin to grow in these things, and we begin to evaluate and see, and we recognize. And, and the truth is, we all want to get better. I shared with you last week, or a couple weeks back, actually, about an area I'm wanting to get better in. It's with my girls and my selection of donuts. It's a real thing in my house. Fridays will work out, and I leave, and I'll stop by, and I'll get donuts for the girls after we work out. And I shared with you in a moment of weakness and transparency, I wasn't hitting the mark. Like one was like, I want a powdered donut, and then I want filling, but I don't want filling. And then this one wants an eclair, and I'm like, you know, so I'm just like, I'm trying. I come home, and I have like two with filling and an eclair with filling, and all the kids are like, that's not what I want. I'm like, golly, man, like I can't win for losing. And my youngest, Meadow, she's five, she'll be six next week. She's smart, you know. So they start telling me, they're like, I don't want filling. So they basically just want sugar all over a donut. And the other one just wants, now here's, here's the real one, okay. Meadow, I said, babe, if you want an eclair with no filling, it's not an eclair, it's just a chocolate donut. Right? I mean, that makes sense. She said, no, it's not. I said, it's not? She said, no. You get more donut and eclair. I was like, how'd you feel? I guess she feels robbed, that hole in the middle of the donut. She's like, you cheating me. Give me all that donut. I don't care if it's got filling. And it's amazing. I got it right this past Friday. You'd be happy for me. No filling in any of the donuts. Thank you, Jesus. Well, I get home, and they're eating, and there's powder everywhere, and there's chocolate everywhere, and it's awesome, and it's amazing. And then with three little girls... Nine, seven, and five, it's amazing to me how it's rainbows and unicorns. And then five minutes later, it's full-on Armageddon, the apocalypse. Like, what is happening here? I mean, they love each other. They like each other. They play well together. But I guess being at home with each other since, like, March, it's like, you know. And so we, you know, we, they, in our house, here's kind of what we'll do. They'll argue. They'll have their moments. And so we stop, and, and, and we bring them together and say, okay, hey, we're going to talk about this. We're, we're going we're gonna to work this out. Let's talk through these things, okay? So we start talking it out. We talk to one, talk to the other, and send them away. And Meadow, again. And she's, she's, she's quick now, okay? And, and so we bring, and Wendy's talking to Meadow. Meadow, what's the deal? Like, you know, the girls are saying, you don't share all, you, you, all these toys. You're wanting to play with all this stuff. You want to do all these things. And, and what, what's the problem? Mom, I can't help it. All my ideas are the best ideas. Okay, well, no, no lack of confidence there. I wonder if she gets that, all right? So it's like, all right. And, and you go, okay, Pastor Chris, what's the point of the story? There's this, there's this conflict that's happening in our home. Any of you ever had conflict in your home? Yeah. Any of you, the conflict maybe has been a little elevated and escalated. It's kind of like you're walking on pins and needles. You're like, do I say, do I not, do I respond, do I not, do I, Okay. What's the point? The point is this, is in the moment of that conflict, we stop a minute and we go, hey girls, we're going to have the conversation. So today what we're going to talk about is if, uh, another habit, because it, it is about the emotional health, but then I want to give you, and I'm going to get real practical in here in just a little bit, put some tools in your tool belt to help you understand how to, how to develop emotional health in your life, in your relationships, in your marriage, with your children, with your coworkers, with your employees, with the people you lead, the people you're around, is if you're going to do that, while the starting block is gratitude, I think the next step is if you're going to develop some emotional health, you're going to have to have the conversation. 
You see, the challenge is this. Emotions spill out of us, and they spill out on everyone around us. So unless you're a hermit living by yourself in a cave somewhere, what's inside of you is coming out, and it's impacting those around you. But the challenge is when there's conflict, we tend to hedge. We don't like conflict. You see, and we think about it, it's because of our interaction with conflict. You think about how you have engaged with conflict, how you've experienced conflict. You know, the, the first is this, maybe you're the recipient of conflict. Well, what do I mean by that? You're around someone that's always push, 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 go, go, go. It's like they seemingly create conflict all the time, okay? Or maybe... You're the instigator of conflict. It's like you're, you're, you're a tornado, you know, just going around. You just create conflict. Can I tell you something? The easiest way to look at that is in your marriage. Wendy and I, early on in marriage, okay, I'm the latter. I'm like, we, we're going to have a conversation. All right, we're going to talk about this. Oh, we have an issue? We have conflict? No problem. Let's deal with it. We're going to deal with it now. And I push, 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 drive, drive, drive. Wendy's like, whoa, whoa, hold up. I need a minute. Well, the problem was I wanted to solve the issue. Really, it wasn't because I wanted to solve the issue. I'm just being transparent. I wanted to feel as though I had resolution about an issue. Checkbox, done. We talked about that. Move on to the next thing that I wanted to do. Well, that's not healthy. Well, Wendy, Wendy was like, I need a minute. The problem is Wendy's minute would turn into a week. She's like, I don't want to talk about it. We'd, we'd never talk about it. And then it. Well, that's not healthy either. You see, what happens is when we have this unhealthy interaction with conflict we hedge we pull away when you don't engage in healthy conflict what begins to happen is you never have the conversation and the conversation is another step forward a path forward to developing health in your emotions we're going to look to mark chapter 10 we're going to see a story of jesus where where he's having the conversation that's what i love about jesus he wasn't afraid to have the conversation he wasn't afraid to engage someone in a conversation. And, and we have Jesus. Jesus is on a journey. He's on a mission. He's on his way to Jerusalem. Okay? He, he's actually, this, uh, later on in this chapter, will be the second time he, he talks about his death and him dying on the cross. And he had already previously talked to the disciples about it. They're a little confused because, again, at that time, they thought what the Messiah looked like, the Savior, him coming, they thought it would look different, be different. And so now he's talking about, I'm going uh, you know, to die. And you know, they're, they're confused about it. But they're trucking along. And he's on his way to Jerusalem. He stops off from Capernaum. He's on his way to Judea by Jericho, and he, he stops there, and as he gets there, he starts having some conversations. The Pharisees are there. They start asking him about divorce. The, 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 the children start coming. They want to be around Jesus. They want to listen to what he's saying, and the disciples are like, get these kids out of here, man. Get them into kids' church. We don't want them in here. They're loud. They're crazy. You know, Jesus goes, oh, hold up. Time out. No, no, no. Let the little children come. Faith like a child. That, that's what it looks like. And then he's on his way. Remember, he's going somewhere. He's on his way somewhere. And this individual stops him. And watch what happens. Mark chapter 10, verse 17. And as he was setting out on his journey, this is Jesus, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him this question. Now, I'll give you a little context about this man. 
In some of your translations and in, in the different Gospels, the Gospels are called the Synoptic Gospels because they, they all kind of line up, they synchronize together. And so you, you have these Gospels. You'll actually have this, this phrase or this description about this individual. He was called the rich young ruler. So it was thought that, one, first off, he was young. Second, he was rich. And as a ruler, it simply indicated he was probably an individual who had wealth, he had land, uh, he had uh, cattle or things of that nature. So he runs up to him, and watch what he does. He knelt before him. So I want you to catch this. This isn't an individual who didn't know who Jesus was. He didn't recognize who Jesus was. He didn't recognize that Jesus is the Savior, the Messiah. Why? Because as a man of prestige, as a man who has things, he came. And how did he engage with Jesus? He knelt. So he recognized who Jesus was. Uh, why is that important? I want you to understand who he's talking to. You may have just started, you may not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You may have just started serving Jesus and surrendered your life last night. You may have been serving Jesus for years. But I want you to understand, this is an individual who knows who Jesus is. And his first lead out, watch what he says. Good teacher, what must I do? To inherit eternal life. And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. His first lead out is what? What must I do? You see, that's where some of us live. Why do I have emotional unhealth in my life? Why is there unrest? Why is there conflict in my home? Why am I having a challenging time? Why is there this inordinate reaction and not a healthy response? I am do. What do I need to do? Well, watch what Jesus says in verse 19, you know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, all these I've kept from my youth. Jesus responds to him and answers him the way he asked the question. Oh, you want to know what to do? He basically gives him a summation of a portion of the Ten Commandments. Here, do these things. You see, we feel what we feel because we feel like we're doing all the right things and yet we're not getting the outcome that we want because perhaps doing isn't actually what Jesus is after. Watch what he says. Jesus responds to him in verse 21. It says, and Jesus looking at him loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. Sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. What did Jesus do? Jesus went straight to the heart of the matter. He went straight to the soul. You see, Jesus isn't talking about wealth and possessions. Why was he disheartened about this? Because he had great possessions. There's nothing wrong with having a lot of great stuff, but when the great stuff has you, and Jesus goes, that has a place in your life that I want to have that place, and Jesus starts dealing with the issues of your soul, all of a sudden it can be a little challenging. You see, Jesus looked at him and loved him. Some would say he corrected him. You see, that's the challenging part for some of us. Correction equals rejection. How you grew up, the relationship you had with your parents, people in your life, mentors, leaders, bosses. Correction equals rejection. That's not what it is. Correction is love. Someone loves you when they help adjust. He was correcting his perspective. You see, this man wanted to know, what do I need to do? And Jesus is saying, no, no, no. It's who I want you to be. 
Let's stop focusing on what we need to do and start focusing. Jesus is going, I want to focus on who you're becoming. You see, because you read the story and go, well, this doesn't make sense. I mean, it feels like he didn't actually get the resolution. Did this actually end up where we wanted it to? Jesus did exactly what he wanted to do. He spoke to the heart of the matter. You see, oftentimes we may come to Jesus expecting or wanting one thing, and Jesus speaks something completely different. And because we're disheartened like the rich young ruler, we actually leave missing out on the very thing that we need. You see, Jesus is talking about your soul, inside out, inside out. It's a transformation from the inside out. He's wanting to do a work inside of you. And so what happens, though, is this. This is what I want you to get. This is what I want you to realize is having the proper conversation. Remember, we hedge when it comes to conflict. But having the proper conversation leads us through conflict. It doesn't create it. We don't want to have the conversation because we think we're creating conflict. Jesus didn't create conflict. He was trying to lead this man through a conflict in his own soul. And the conflict in his own soul was his stuff meant more to him than Jesus meant to him. Now, does that mean, don't hear what I'm not saying. You may have all the wealth in the world and you're sitting in this room. You may have nothing and you're sitting in this room. This is not about if you have all the wealth in the world, go get rid of all of it. That's not what Jesus was talking about was an issue of the heart. What's the issue in your heart? What's the thing that he's getting at? You see, Jesus is not afraid to have the conversation. Why? Because he loves you. He wants what's best for you. He's more focused and concerned about who you're becoming than what you're doing. So we, we begin to see this, but again, this is where it gets hard. Because you have to have the conversation. And what happens is this. Depending on your experience in your life... This is what we think about when we think, because remember, conflict, we're going, oh, I don't want any conflict, because conflict, right, it, it, conflict is a byproduct of the conversation, so I don't want to have the conversation, because the conversation means I have conflict, conflict means I have pain, loss, discomfort, when in reality, when you have the right conversation, it leads to healthy conflict, healthy conflict brings intimacy, it brings shared purpose. It brings unity. And the Bible says that unity commands a blessing. But here's what happens when it comes to the conversation. Depending on our experience and what we've walked through. One, we may have hyper avoidance. I, I don't, I don't want to have the conversation. I don't want to talk about it. It's just fine. It's whatever. It's whatever. It's okay. It's fine. Okay. That's how we respond when someone's wanting to have the conversation. And then what happens is we either prolong or we enable unhealthy boundaries in relationships in our life. If you have unhealthy boundaries with people in your life, you may be avoiding the conversation. And you need to have the conversation. Or you may just glorify dysfunction. You're like, oh, I got no problem having the conversation. Let's go right now. I'm going to throw it out on the table. Let's get it. Okay, that's not helpful either because you're throwing it out there and just because you're talking about it doesn't mean you're actually bringing restoration or resolution to the actual issue. It may be you just feel better about yourself because you feel like you had the conversation. When you didn't have a conversation, you had a monologue. Guilty. Guilty. I've had to work on that. I've had to grow on that. And can I tell you, I'm learning with you. I don't have this all figured out. I got to work on it. 18 years of marriage, lots of conflict, 
Lots of conversations, but lots of growing and saying, okay, God, what are you doing inside of me? How are you transforming me from the inside out? Because here's what happens. If you're going to live emotionally healthy, we have to be willing to not allow the fear of conflict to keep us from having the conversation. I'm afraid of conflict. I don't want, because we don't have a healthy perspective and understanding what conflict is. So we pull away and we hedge. So what do we do? What happens when we have the conversation? Next few minutes, I'm going to pray for you in just a minute, but I'm going to give you four things. I'm going to give you some real practical stuff to take away because you're going, okay, I need to have the conversation. How do I do that? What does that look like? Here, let me help you. Here's some of the things that happen when you have the conversation. First is you have the opportunity and you give the opportunity to invite Jesus into the conversation. You invite Jesus into the conversation. Imagine that. Jesus wants to touch you in your soul, in your emotions. He doesn't simply want to impact your behavior. He wants to transform your motives because if you transform your motives, it'll transform the conversation. You see, when you're having conflict, when you're having a conversation, perhaps look to the heart rather than being overwhelmed by the behavior. You see, Jesus will help you do that. You say, okay, well, Pastor Chris, that sounds great. Okay, invite Jesus into the conversation. Well, like, well, how do I do that? Do I shoot him an email, send him a text? Is he like Santa Claus? He's not like Santa Claus. Do I write him a letter and it goes somewhere and he shows up? What do I do? Here's some things. Here's, here's what it looks like to invite Jesus into the conversation. First is this. Get his perspective before the conversation. Don't dive into a conversation if you're emotionally charged and amped up. It's probably not going to go well. Stop a minute. Pause. Let, let up a little bit. Wendy, again, that was where she helped me. She's going, hey, I need a minute. But early on, she would take like a week. Okay? The truth is she needed a minute, and, and she needed a minute to get the mind of Christ. The truth is I'm jumping right on it, like go, go, go. But the truth is, you know what? I needed to take a minute. I need to stop. Let me get his perspective. Where's Wendy coming from? How does she feel? God, I need you to help me grow in having empathy for what's going on. That coworker, that employee, that, that, that business partner, your spouse, your child, where are they? Maybe you both have inordinate responses. And you stop a minute and go, God, give me your perspective on what's happening here. What's the end result? What's the goal? Here's the other thing you do. Go to God's word. What does God's word say? You invite Jesus into the conversation when you look at his word. Matthew 18, if someone offends you, you go to his word. What does his word tell you to do? If someone offends you, we're going to talk about offense a little later on in the series. You go to his word. But here's the last one I was praying about you. How do I really help? One of the things the Lord just spoke to me is pray the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5. Fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You may not have them memorized. That's fine. Just look it up. Pray those. God, help me with those things. Side note, for us as individuals, but especially us as men. Can I tell you something? For me personally, that list, two things I got to work on and I pray for, patience, because I don't got a lot of it. Lord knows. He got to help me. You got to pray for your pastor. I need patience. And gentleness. If I was to ask every man in here, hey, what's the one you want to describe you? Gentleness is probably not at the top of the list. But can I tell you something? It's because we, much like myself, didn't understand what true gentleness is. The definition of gentleness is actually strength under control. You see, if you had a little more strength under control in your conversations, you start inviting Jesus into the conversation versus entering into a conversation and trying to exercise and exert your strength. 
You're not going to win like that. So you invite Jesus in when you pray the fruit of the Spirit. And just a side note, I want to encourage you with this. Sometimes we don't invite Jesus in because we think he's too busy. He's too busy. Can I tell you something? What I love about Jesus in this story, Mark 10, where was he? He was on his way somewhere. He was headed somewhere. I don't know about you, but when I'm headed somewhere, don't get in my way. Like, I got a goal. I want to get there. I want to go. I'm not saying that's always a good thing, okay, or my reactions are good, you know. I'm on a, but what did Jesus do? He's on his way somewhere. Someone stops and asks him a question. What did he do? He paused, and he had the conversation. You see, Jesus isn't too busy for you to invite him in the conversation so you can see things the way you need to see them, so you can live the way you need to live, so you can respond the way you need to respond. Here's the second thing. Second thing that happens when we have the conversation is we pursue honor by being honest. We pursue honor by being honest. I say this often. Honesty is honor. You want to really honor someone, which is giving weight to them, showing value to them, be honest with them. Now, I'll tell you what this, what, what this isn't. This isn't a like, oh, okay, let me tell you about yourself. That's not honor, okay? And that may be honest, but it, it's not honor, Okay? Because honor is not what you say, it's how you say it. It's how you say it. And sometimes we really don't honor those around us because we're not honest with them. We don't tell them what they need to hear. And really what God may be asking you to tell them and speak to them, if you would just be honest. Hey, when you did this, this is how it made me feel. When you responded that way, this is how it came across. I mean, the other day, Wendy was like, baby, don't do that. That sounds prideful. I was like... All right, you're right. I'm sorry. You know, I mean, it's true. She's honoring me by being honest. You can honor. But it's not just what you say, because it's not honesty when you go, hey, let me tell you about it. Well, you're this, 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 this. No, no, no. It's not what you say. It's also how you say it. Look at what Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 4. Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up. As fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. You see, the words that come out of your mouth should be for building. And we wonder, why is there unhealthy conflict and unhealthy conversations in my relationships? Perhaps the words that are coming out of your mouth are not for building up. They're not honoring. They may be slightly honest, but they're not honoring. When you have the conversation, you give yourself a pathway to pursuing honor with your honesty. Here's the third thing that happens when we have the conversation. We don't just solve problems, we find the real problem. I tell people all the time, solving problems is great. Finding the real problem is better. You see, our emotions, they're good indicators, good gauges, here's where you're at, here's what's going on. They're terrible guides. I say it often. Don't don't be ruled by your emotions, don't be led by your emotions, but you need to listen to your emotions. You got to stop a minute. And if you are someone who gets emotionally charged, you, you're just, you're an emotional person. I can be an emotional person. I'm, my emotions, like, I get passionate. I get real fired up about stuff. And I, you know, I'll get, if we're talking, Wendy and I are talking about something, I get real excited. I, like, my volume just incrementally, it just escalates. You know, if you've ever been around me in those environments, I get fired up. Okay, I don't like to do stuff half well. Let's get it, you know. And Wendy's like, you're yelling at me. I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm excited. I'm not yelling at you. I'm just excited. My volume's increased. If you're a passionate, emotional person, this can be really hard for you because here's the misconception you have. 
if I'm really emotional about it, it must be true. That ain't true. Just because I'm really dialed up and emotional and passionate about it doesn't necessarily make it true. Well, how do you work through that? You listen. Stop a minute and listen. Listen to what's going on. And when you listen to what's going on, you begin to really, you find a way to dial into what is the real challenge? What is the real problem? What is the real thing that's happening here that we need healing and restoration? And when you do that, you pursue emotional health because you're willing to have the conversation. Listen, you're not going to do it perfect all the time, but listen to one another. Co-workers, friends, family, spouse, children, stop and listen. Here's a great, this is how I like to put it. Seek to understand rather than to be understood. You see, my mentality is if I'm having a conversation and or a conflict, I can tend to lean into I want to win. I tell young couples all the time, especially in premarital counseling, I'm like, you can either be right or you can be reconciled. Which do you want? Because <laughs> sometimes right doesn't lead to reconciliation. And I, I, now, I don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that if there's something that needs to be said that is right, that you don't say it. That goes back to point two. You can be honoring and honest. Okay, so you need to say what you need to say. But sometimes, at least for me, it was more about winning the conversation or the argument than it was about actually getting to a place of emotional health and reconciliation and restoration about whatever that topic was. If you seek to understand, which means you're going to have to listen. Listen more, talk less, okay? You're going to have to listen in order to understand. If you'll seek to understand rather than be understood, it's going to help you in your conversations. Here's the fourth thing. Fourth thing is this. When we have the conversation, we process pain and move towards purpose. You see, the truth is, for some of us, we always haven't had a good picture of what it looks like to have emotional health. Maybe you didn't grow up in that. Maybe you weren't around that. Maybe you haven't experienced that in your relationships, in your marriage, in your previous marriage. And so what begins to happen is it creates challenges and friction, but when you have the conversation, you can move forward. You can process through that pain. And, and the truth is, we do it together. That's what spiritual family looks like. It's why we have small groups. It's why we do Freedom Weekend. It's why we do the things we do. Not because I'm perfect. Lord knows I'm not. Not because our small group leaders are perfect or anyone in here is perfect. But it's setting an environment where we're able to be around others that have learned and are learning how to have a healthy emotional response and what it looks like to have the conversation in a healthy way. You see, I think about, you know, for years, Wendy and I did youth ministry for a long time. My girls, nine, seven, and five, I remember when we were about to have our first, I was like, man, what do you do? Like, we'd done youth ministry for so long. I'm like, give them to me at like 11 years old. 11 to like 35, I know what to do. Like 10 and younger, I'm like, what do you do? And I can remember in all the years of youth ministry and walking with people and walking with students, but walking with parents, one of the things that I would notice. You know, as teenagers, if you have any teenagers, you want to talk about emotions? Slightly elevated, amen? Oh, yeah. You're like, like there's no global pandemic. I mean, currently there is, but previously, you're like, there's no global pandemic. You're not sheltering in place. Why are you acting like, I mean, emotions, they're just, they're everywhere, Right? 
Well, now you take a, a dad who didn't grow up in an emotionally healthy environment. He doesn't have the ability or the know-how or someone around him to encourage him and help him know how to have the conversation and how to have the right response. And he has inordinate reactions because of a lack of emotional health in, him, in himself. And you add in this teenager who's just trying to figure out their emotions. What do you get? A time bomb. And it becomes challenging. And what, what's the enemy's plan? Well, the dad feels discouraged because they can't get through to their kids. So guess what? They stop having the conversation. The teenager feels like, my parents just don't understand me. And I don't, you know, they don't get me. And they just, you know, do this. And they just want me to respond or react this way or, or, or treat them this way. And what do they do? They start pulling back and they stop having the conversation. We're not going to be perfect. We're not going to have it all figured out. You're not going to have all the right words to say. Don't let insecurity and, fe and fear. Don't let having experienced conflict in a negative way keep you from still pressing in to have the conversation. You may make a mistake here or there. You know what? Listen. Can I tell you something? One of the things that's helped me the most is when I haven't had the right response or really an inordinate reaction to my kids, even at 9, 7, and 5. Sometimes the greatest thing I've done is get down on one knee and just say, baby, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I reacted that way. Will you forgive daddy? Sometimes that's hard. As a parent, as a father. But I want you to know that maybe you didn't experience what it was like to be in an environment where you learned how to have a proper, healthy, emotional response. You weren't in an environment to learn and see what it was like to have the conversation in a healthy way. You weren't in an environment to know what it was like to have healthy conflict that then produced shared purpose, intimacy, and unity. But you can starting today. You can starting today. And you may not be there yet. That's okay. You're not there yet. And I want to encourage you. If you're not there yet, you can start today. Maybe you've been serving the Lord for a long time and you're recognizing, I'm not there yet. You can keep moving forward. Maybe you're in a place, in a situation, in a season where you're recognizing, you know what, I've been serving the Lord for a long time, but I'm seeing, whoa, whoa there's still stuff inside of me that God's wanting to do and needing to do.